And I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. I had so much fun this week um, just spending time in the Word, and especially in Genesis chapter 10, which is genealogies. So I'm, I'm... it was exciting to me, so I hope that it can be exciting to you, but that's going to be next week, okay? So you might want to get a head start and just memorize those, okay? And then tell me how to pronounce those names. We're in Genesis chapter 9 this morning, and we're going to talk about a fresh start. And I'm guessing that everybody in this place has had a fresh start at some point, uh, either in rebirth, and that's absolutely critical. Um, it's critical that you're in Christ. We say it over and over and over here, and it's, it's just so imperative. But even once you're in Christ, sometimes we get knocked down, or we get tripped up, or some aspect of the world uh, grabs our attention, and it's temporal, and yet it gets us, and we need a fresh start, and the Lord gives us that. Um, and he gave that to Noah as well. Uh, ours can be a relationship challenge. Maybe it's our job. Certainly it would be spiritually. The fresh start, the new beginning that Noah encountered has been unmatched, I think, in all of human history. God destroyed the world as it was known. He left eight people on the ark and the animals that were guided in. Um, man's wickedness, uh, actually not just man's wickedness, but the wickedness of all flesh is the way God said it. Caused, caused God to judge and destroy all but those who were on the ark. The flood happened. We've studied that. Noah and those with him spent a little more than a year on the ark. That is a long time. And when it was time to leave, we read last week that Noah made an altar and offered a sacrifice of all of the clean animals. And so that would have been a time-consuming offering that he was making of the Lord. And remember, they only went in by pairs of seven Uh, And so it would also be a significant investment of that which would repopulate the earth also. Before, in chapter 6, we said this last week, the Lord regretted, verse 6, that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. In Genesis chapter 9, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma of Noah's burnt offering. And what what an incredible difference there is between those two statements. This morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at three things from Genesis chapter 9. We're not going to do the whole chapter for 17 verses. I'd like for us to, look, uh, to emphasize three things of Genesis chapter 9. Um, God's, and I'll tell you what they are, God's still desired relationship with his creation, especially mankind. A new situation brought new responsibilities, and God really emphasized his covenant. He even gave it a sign. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to read Genesis chapter 8, just a couple of verses, and then the first 17 verses of Genesis chapter 9 together. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. 
And so all of the crises that are created saying the world is going to end, while the earth remains, it's not going to because God is going to care for that. Verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 9, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As I, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood, for, and for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, from every man, from his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Verse 8, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said... This is the sign of the covenant that I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all flesh that's on the earth. God still desired relationship with his creation, especially mankind. And we remember back in chapter 6 that wickedness was so widespread it had affected even the animal kingdom to the degree that God said, I'm going to destroy everything that's breathing on the earth save Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives and the animals that were led upon the, that were led upon the ark. But verse 9 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, He still had a word for mankind. And he still has a word for us today. He's given us his word. It penetrates our heart. The spirit of God uses it. God has a word for us. And I find that incredibly um, encouraging. Actually, the first 17 verses of Genesis 9 are a quote of God speaking to Noah. And then from there on, it begins to tell different stories. But the first 17 verses are just a quote of God speaking. God preserved Noah and continues to desire a relationship with him. Noah found grace. I want to balance something that we hear from time to time. It's true. I want you to hear that. Did you hear? It's true. But I want to balance something that we hear from time to time. We hear that God is self-sufficient and doesn't need us. 
God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. But in God's self-sufficientness, if that's a word, in God's self-sufficientness, he created mankind and desires relationship. And so we've got to balance that. It isn't that I, f- that I finish God for who he is. He is who he is all by himself. But in his self-sufficientness, he kept Noah alive. He found grace and he had something to say. In his self-sufficientness, he chose Israel as a chosen nation. And then he sent Jesus and he selects us as well and we believe on him and we have relationship with him. It isn't that we complete him that he's not God without us. But him being God desires relationship with mankind. That doesn't put us up equal to him, but it makes us part of his plan. I think it's important that we hear that. Before he created the heavens and the earth, um, he was self-sufficient. With the truth of God's self-sufficiency, we're often told that God doesn't need us. And in the sense of need, that's true, but he desires relationship. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. If you're his follower, you've found grace as well. And so that's part of his plan and part of who he is. We shouldn't lift ourselves up too high. That's already a problem for mankind, but within God's self-sufficiency, he created man. He found Found favor with Noah. He has a chosen people. He redeems those um, who believe in his son and the blood sacrifice that he gave. God is self-sufficient, and what a privileged place that our self-sufficient God has given us in relationship with him. Amen? That's who we are in him. It isn't that we make him who he is. It's because of who he is that we have relationship with him. God preserved Noah and continues to desire a relationship with him. He blessed him and blessed them with him, his sons and his, their wives and his wife as well. Let's just remember some of the biblical account. God saw the wickedness on the earth and dealt with it. But at the same time, Noah found favor. God instructed Noah in such a way with the ark that he preserved not only Noah, but also mankind as well. If he would have gotten wiped out, we wouldn't be here today. God receives Noah's sacrifice from every clean animal after Noah built the altar after he got off of the ark a year and a few days later. God makes a covenant with Noah and every living thing, and God said to them, he continues to communicate. God is a relationship God who continues to communicate with mankind. I hope we have ears to hear what he communicates. God is still pursuing his relationship with man there and even today. It started in the garden, excuse me, it started in the garden with God creating Adam and Eve and then communing with them. It continues here in Genesis 9. We see it throughout the Old Testament. We especially see it in Jesus' incarnation and ultimate sacrifice. It's reinforced with Jesus' marching orders to his disciples of go and make disciples. We still have that today. I hope you're participating in it. God continues to save and forgive people. It's his gospel. It's his method. God continues to speak with those who will hear him and those who choose not to give ear to him. He's going to speak effectively as well. They're just going to hear a different word. And so we've got to be very, very attentive to what it is that God has to say to us. God, our creator, desires relationship with us. Listen to this. God, your creator, desires healthy relationship with you. 
It just does away with empty religion. It's I am communing with and walking with and talking with and serving a living God. It's amazing. God, our creator, desires relationship with me. He desires relationship with you. That is incredible. It shouts of the mercy and the grace of God, like it shouted of the mercy and the grace of God back in the day of Noah when he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It demonstrates that his desire towards us, his creation, him being the potter, us being the clay, is, is significant. God showed his love for us in that while we were yet what? Sinners. We weren't saying, God, I want to buddy up to you and do what you want me to do or just kind of get a little bit. We, while we were yet sinners, we'd missed the mark. We'd broken his law. That's when he showed his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It goes far beyond empty religious activity. It's genuine and real and purposeful and growing and relationship with God. And I hope that's what you find today with your creator is a healthy, growing, spiritual relationship. And if you need it, he gives new starts. He gave Noah a new start. And he gives us new starts as well. And we can confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What he requires is that we lay ourselves before him. No agenda. No, you do this and I'll do this. Just here I am, Lord. And I hope that's where he finds you today. God blessed them, Noah and his sons. And some of the words are very familiar that we read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. A new situation for Noah and his family brought some old responsibilities, but it also brought some new responsibilities also. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 God had said to Adam, then God blessed them and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and note that word, fill the earth, it's the same, verse verse 1 of chapter 9, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The rest of the verse is a little bit different. Genesis 1 says, we, 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 what we find is, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis chapter 9, what we have is the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. And so there are some similarities with a little bit of differences as well. But what I want us to know, and we're going to talk about this, I think next week, it might be the week after that, is the command was you be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you know what they did? They were fruitful, and they multiplied, and they wanted to stay in Babel. They didn't want to obey what the Lord had to say. And so we'll talk about that in a bit, but part of it was that they would be filling the earth. So it's a little different. Mankind is still to rule over the rest of creation, but now we find that fear and the dread of you is placed upon them. Uh, Almost like before sin entered, animals kind of would cooperate with Adam and Eve and mankind, but then sin happened and the wickedness spread and we find the situation in Genesis chapter 6 and now in Genesis chapter 9 he says that fear and dread of you is going to be placed upon the animals. Maybe that's why, and it's kind of kind of tongue-in-cheek, but kind of not, maybe that's why deer hunters, when you're walking in the woods and you make a little bit of a noise, everything clears out from before you. They hear you, they recognize something's there, and they, and they just spread. But then God added something new. And we find this in verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. 
As I gave you the green plants, I give you everything, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. In the garden, God's provision for Adam and Eve would have been from the plant life. Now it's different. Now it's everything that moves. First it was plant life. Next it's everything that moves. Later in Moses' writings, uh, it's going to be a restrictive diet for the children of Israel. Even later in Acts chapter 10, we have a demonstration of all foods being opened up. That doesn't mean that they're all as healthy as some of the others are, but all foods are opened up. And even later, if you could eat it with thanksgiving, you could eat food that was offered to an idol because idols are nothing in and of themselves. And so what we see is this progression of how God has provided for us. Uh, but he says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you as I gave you uh, the green plants I give you everything but you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood something that's restated in Acts chapter 15 when the young Gentile church is being mixed with the with the with the uh, Jewish believers as well was that they was that they uh, not eat things with the blood in them as well seems to be looking forward to something God uh, from God that Noah wouldn't have yet but he would know something of because he had just made a very large sacrifice to the Lord and they were animals that were alive and so they would offer their blood and they would offer their life as a sacrifice to the Lord and as strange as it might seem to us it was a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord and I think it was the heart condition of Noah especially that caused that sacrifice to be a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord later this is what we would find in Leviticus written by Moses for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls so the life of the animal flesh is in the blood and he had given those animals as a way for them to be atoned for their sins obviously a foreshadowing of Jesus and his shed blood which would result in the remission of sins you might find it interesting that the word life and soul are the same word. I don't want to go into that, but I thought you might find that interesting. Man's life, his blood, was even more sacred than the animal's blood. Verses 5 and 6, because man is made in God's image. And the birds aren't made in God's image. And the cattle aren't made in God's image but mankind is made in God's image and so this is what he adds that is new to what we find in Genesis chapter 1 verse 5 it says this and for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning it's a judicial term it's a courtroom term for your blood I will require a reckoning from every beast I will require it and from man from his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of a man Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And then he repeats, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. But he says for mankind, there's a reckoning that's required. And it's required from their fellow men. And so God's given the instruction and he's saying, you fellow men, if someone takes someone else's life, you require blood for blood, life for life. What we have in its earliest simplistic stages here are governing, um, our governments, men governing over other people. And we're going to see that in chapter 10 develop even more as they divide into nations and spread, uh, spread throughout the earth as well. It's in a simple form, God was instituting governing man or man giving an account to mankind. 
behind in order for justice to be carried out. It gets developed further in chapter 10 with nations being formed. It required, it was, it's required from his fellow man a reckoning for life for life by man shall blood be shed. While tough, while it's difficult, at God's instruction, what we find here is capital punishment, which was new. Somebody kills somebody, their life is required of them. It's new. And the reason I say it's new is because that isn't what happened with Cain. Cain took his brother's life, and he didn't give an account to all of the people that were in his family on the earth at that particular time. He gave his account to God himself. Lamech, not Noah's father Lamech, there's another Lamech earlier in the genealogy. Lamech said, if Cain killed somebody and this happened to him, how much more is going to happen to me because I've killed somebody also? And we have no, we have no, uh, we have no recording in Scripture of him giving an account for that life that he had taken uh, by, uh, by others that lived, by others that lived at, at that particular time. I call it a horrible necessity. I don't like it. I know it's political. I love God, I know what God's word has to say, and so I'm going to willingly submit myself to him even though it's something that's very difficult, a horrible necessity. God's instruction here deals with justice because of the sacredness of mankind. The reason it was different is because they were created in my image, every single one of them. Not the ones who come to church, not Israel, the ones I don't agree with, the ones who offend me, the ones who walk contrary to God, who offend him, were created in God's image. And he said, because they're created in my image, blood for blood, life for life. That's, that was new. Interestingly, we find places in Scripture that depending upon someone's repentance response, mercy can be shown by governments, but it isn't required to be shown. And you never know if it's going to be shown. Who can you think of that killed a man who didn't pay the price of dying? I can think of King David. King David had an affair with Uriah's wife, and the next thing you know, he's placing Uriah in the front of the battle so that he dies. That was David taking his life. And yet David, in his repentance response, was spared. We don't know the why of it, but he was. Um, Paul would later say in Acts 22, I believe it is, I persecuted this way the believers to the death. I think he's speaking of him holding the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen because of his faith in the Lord. And yet Paul's life wasn't taken because he persecuted the way unto the death. Um, he did find repentance. Uh, other laws that were broken were also deserving of death. Hopefully what I hope this shows us is how much mercy you and I have received. The adulterous woman was to be stoned to death. And Jesus said, well, if you're without sin, you pick up the first stone and throw it. And the next thing you know, the older ones left first, maybe because they were a little bit wiser, and then the younger ones are leaving as well, and there's a repentance response on the, on the part of the adulterous woman as well. Can you realize how much mercy and grace we've been given and what we have because of the mercy and the grace of God? Amen? Praise the Lord that we don't get what we deserve. The essential point is this, that man is hereby given responsibility, I'm quoting, of human government and that the responsibility entails, first of all, the recognition of the sacredness of human life. This new situation brought with it some old responsibility and some new responsibility, though not easy, um, it was new. And the last thing, and this is where I want to spend the most of our time this morning, um, is in verses, uh, the third thing that we find in verses one, uh, 1 through 17 is this. God really goes out of his way to emphasize his covenant. 
And he even gives a sign for the covenant. I'm going to read this again. Verse 8. You count with me the number of times that you hear the word covenant used here. And this is God speaking um, as we read this. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the bird, the livestock, every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh when the bow is in the clouds I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth God said to Noah this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh flesh that is on the earth how many did you get seven times and if we go back to chapter 6 verse 18 19 somewhere in there where he's telling Noah what he's going to do and that he will also establish a covenant with him that's eight times in this story that God seems to go out of his way to emphasize that he's making a covenant he's giving a word he's giving a promise um, with Noah but not just with Noah it's called the Noetic covenant but it's not just with Noah it's with Noah and his sons and their wives and his wife and all living flesh as well God's making a covenant here he uses the word covenant eight times chapter 6 verse 18 9 9 9 11 9 12 9 13 9 15 9 16 he says everlasting covenant 9 17 as well in these verses someone said the Lord seems to be repeating over and over and over in various ways his great promise and covenant with all flesh Aren't we glad we have a covenant with God? Or rather, that he has a covenant with us. This isn't, this isn't a conditional covenant that if I do this, then he'll do his part. This is a Jerry. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what the birds of the air do. I'm going con- to fulfill my word because this is my covenant with all flesh. God made his promise. He gave his word. He made his unconditional covenant, his everlasting covenant, If the flood were merely local, he has broken that covenant many, many, many times. Because there are many times that many people have lost their lives because of a flood. I was looking up online just to search. In 2004, there was the Indian Ocean tsunami. Some of you might be old enough to, well... Some of you might remember that in the news. Let me say it that way. Approximately 230,000 people, 230,000 people died because of that tsunami. Was God breaking his covenant? No, because it was local. And what he's saying is, I will never again destroy all of the earth and all of life again with water. 
Recently in California, they've been inundated with rains, not 230,000, but several people have died there because of the flooding. Um, that's happened many and many times since the floods. God's word, God's word uses words and phrases that indicate the entire earth was covered, not just a localized portion of it. We don't even have to give ear to scientists who want to disregard God's word. We don't need to. Chapter 8, verse 21 says this, When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because a man for the intention of his heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. So it wasn't just some creatures in the Indian tsunami or some in California or some in other places around the world. It was all over the earth. God's flood was universal. And then he gives a sign. The rainbow is the sign God provided. Lift your hand. How many of us have seen a rainbow? Philip, have you ever seen a rainbow? You ever seen a rainbow up in the sky? Okay. I, <laughs> thank you, Anna. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen rainbows. And the next time Anna sees one, she's going to point it out to you, okay? A rainbow. Verse 12. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you, listen to this, for all future generations. That's you and me. It's a sign of God's covenant with us also that we get to see this sign of the rainbow. The rainbow, I quote, thus demonstrates most gloriously the grace of God. In wrath he remembered mercy. The glory follows the suffering. And where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And those that were wicked and evil were judged, and they will be judged again. You can mark it down. Scripture speaks of it. We'll speak a little bit to it at the end. Um, but where, grace, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The rainbow tells us, and I doubt that we always think this every time we see a rainbow, but I think it would be a good exercise for our own hearts if when we see a rainbow the next time, we ask ourselves, now what does that teach me about God? This is a sign that God placed in the skies that I can see. What does this teach me about God? It teaches me that God won't destroy mankind on earth by water ever again. He's good for his word, always has been, is batting a thousand. It also teaches me that he once did destroy the wickedness of the earth with a flood, and the only ones that were preserved were Noah and those that were on the ark as well. It's also a reminder, listen to this, to God. This is what he says in verse 15. When I see it, I will remember. Verse 16, I will see it and I will remember. And so he sees it and remembers the covenant that he gave. And I, I'm going to finish with something that I'm sure I've seen before because I've read scripture, but, but it was opened up to me differently, and I hope it will be to you as well. And that's the, a fresh, fresh picture of the rainbow and it's not the one that we find in our world today okay it's one that we find in scripture the other thing that it teaches that God won't destroy mankind on the earth by water again he once destroyed he once did destroy because of wickedness it's a reminder to God he will remember and it's a reminder to us of God and his activities when I see a rainbow it should be more than just oh isn't that pretty 
It should be more than just being able to see if I can recite the colors in order of the colors of the rainbow. It should remind me that God is and that he's good for his word. The amazing thing, though, is that the vast majority of people in our world today and us, if we get caught up in this, see a rainbow and we don't think anything about God. There are a lot of people who have no idea that God put the rainbow in the clouds, that it was a covenant between him and all living flesh. They might think there's a pot of gold at the other end or a leprechaun or lucky charms. (laughs) Used to like those when I was a kid. Hita was our neighbor in Maceo. She lived in front of us and where we lived, there were a lot of gates and walls around the houses, but our gate was open, hers was open. It had rained one day, rained a lot in Maceo. And it had rained, and I went out in the morning, and he is out on the street as well. And she said, did you see the rainbow this morning? And I said, Hita, did you know that the Bible speaks about the rainbow? And she said, are you kidding me? God's word must speak about everything. I want us to know that around us in our world, there are a lot of people who have no idea that God placed the rainbow as a sign of a covenant that he would never destroy the earth again because of water, excuse me, with water. There are people that don't know that. What an opportunity. What a visual opportunity to be able to share the gospel. I hope, I hope that God's spirit reminds you the next time you see a rainbow of an opportunity that you have to share the gospel with somebody. Did you see the rainbow? Or how many times have you been asked before? Did you see the rainbow this afternoon? I did see the rainbow. Do you know where that rainbow comes from? And, and talk about sin and talk about God's judgment, but God's mercy and how, and, how, and how Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And in Jesus Christ, we can have favor in the eyes of the Lord as well. What a great opportunity. What a visual for, for being able to share the gospel. I hope that, that, I hope that that's, uh, you're reminded of that. It's got to be said, the perversion of use of the rainbow in our day is an offense to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And it is especially an offense to God. But I want us to hear something. Even in that, he wants us to represent him when we encounter people who are hanging a rainbow outside of their door or wearing something that's rainbow. And, and, and the, is there a time, uh, who, it was Gideon, is there a time when Gideon in Judges chapter 6 was instructed to go in and tear down the altars of Baal? Yeah, there is. And then there's also a time like Jesus and the woman who was the adulterer at the, at the, at the adulteress, uh, there's a time to share the love of God. And we have to have spiritual discernment. In, in order to discern what is this the time for. And it's so easy to get caught up in internet conversations and political conversations that that becomes my conversation. I'm to be spirit-led in the conversations that I have and use a rainbow to speak about God's judgment as well as God's promise. Is there a time to tear down the altars of Baal? Yes, Sometimes we do tear down the altars of Baal, but we have to be careful that we're listening to the right voice. Is it an offense to God? Absolutely, it's an offense to God. But I want you to know something. There isn't anybody on this earth that can change God's sign or God's plan. Nobody, period, done deal. 
And, and what can happen, and I kind of tend towards this a little bit, and, and God straightened me out. What can happen is I can be so frustrated and, uh, and, and, and offended by what the world is doing, I don't even want to talk about the rainbow anymore. Hey, God's rainbow is still God's rainbow. There are people who don't want to get married anymore because our world has perverted marriage. Listen, marriage is God's plan. We do what we do because we're in the Lord as unto the Lord. We don't do it because we're against what our society does. We do it as unto the Lord. And so when we think about a rainbow or marriage or whatever else might fall into that category, you live for Jesus. That's why we do what we do. We don't just set something aside because some other group or, uh, uh, perverts it. The rainbow, and I'll finish with this, kind of. The rainbow is found three other times in Scripture. In Ezekiel 1, God is going to speak through Ezekiel to his children, and this is what it says, Ezekiel 1, verse 26. Above the expanse over their heads, he has a vision of heaven. Above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. Seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness of, with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. Downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him. Like verse 28, like the appearance of the bow, the rainbow that's in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around him. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. God's rainbow is right there in that vision that Ezekiel had of God on his throne in his holiness. He carried the rainbow, the judgment, the grace, the promise, and he continued to carry it with him. It's used again in Revelation 4. This would be John says this. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood uh, in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. You get the idea that this rainbow that God gave as a sign to Noah way back in Genesis 9 but not just to Noah to his descendants, to all living flesh, and for us also as long as this earth remains, it, you get the idea that it's a big deal to God. When somebody has a vision of him on his throne, the rainbow is right over him as well. In Ezekiel and John as well. Revelation 10 says this, Then I saw another mighty angel. I think this is Jesus. Then I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and that would be the Gentile nations, and his left foot on the land, and that would be Israel, and called out with a loud voice like a, roaring, like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. When the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write what I heard, a voice when I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Wonder what it says. Not ours to know. 
Verse 5, And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and what is in it, the earth, what's in it, the sea, what's in it, that there would be no more delay. And so what he's doing, this one draped with a rainbow, raising his right hand to heaven, is going all the way back to Genesis when God created everything, and we find that rainbow there. It's a sign of God's coming. It's a big deal. And what an offense that offense can be, but it doesn't change God's rainbow. God's sign is God's sign, always will be God's sign. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, what's in it, the earth, what's in it, the sea, what's in it, that there would be no more delay, no more delay for the judgment that's coming. And that brings back the very picture of the rainbow. The reason the flood was there was because of judgment and wickedness and sin. And this angel, this mighty one with his rainbow draped around him, raising his right hand to God, no more delay. Let your judgment begin. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Eight times in this story, seven in this chapter, one in verse six, uh, chapter six, God says, I've got a covenant with you, an everlasting covenant with you. Not just you, Noah, but everyone who walks on this earth as well. I am never again going to destroy the earth with floodwaters, even though man's heart is wicked, even from his youth up. But there's going to be some destruction. And this angel is saying in Revelation 10, don't let it delay. It's time. Reminds me of Jesus' words. Matthew 24, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And it's going to happen. Mark it down. So when we see a rainbow, let's let it remind us of sharing the love and the grace and the goodness of God with somebody and see where it falls. We can't control their heart, but we can certainly see if it might have its effectiveness. You can't defame the rainbow. You can mimic it. You can soil it. You can seek to redefine it, but you don't change God's economy. And I hope that gives us a fresh vision and understanding of what the rainbow is in God's word. And I wanted to finish quoting something, and it's a little lengthy. In the rainbow, we have more than a hint of grace. There are many parallels between the rainbow and God's grace. As the rainbow is the joint product of storm and sunrise, excuse me, sunshine, so grace is the unmerited favor of God's appearing on the dark background of the creature's sin. As the rainbow is the effect of the sun shining on drops of rain in a rain cloud, so divine grace is manifested by God's God's love shining through the blood shed by our blessed Redeemer. As the rainbow is the telling out of the varied hues of the white light, so the manifold grace of God is the ultimate expression of God's heart. As nature knows nothing more exquisitely beautiful than the rainbow, so heaven itself knows nothing that equals in loveliness to the wonderful grace of God. As the rainbow is the union of heaven and earth, spanning the sky and reaching down to the ground, so grace in the one mediator has brought together God and man. As the rainbow is a public sign of God hung out in the heavens that all may see it, so the grace of God 
that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And lastly, as the rainbow has been displayed throughout all the past 40 centuries, so in the ages to come will show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. I hope you have a fresh understanding of a rainbow. Let's pray together. Father, it is so easy to be soiled by our world. And I pray that through the power of the Spirit and the truth of your word and the proclamation of it, that as it was eight times important for you to declare that you had made a covenant with man, that we would be refreshed in the understanding and vision of what your rainbow means. And as we see in Ezekiel and then in Revelation 4 and then in Revelation 10, how it's significant that it speaks of your grace, but it speaks of judgment of sin, and it speaks of a word that you've given and that you're good for. Father, I pray for everyone in this place that we would have a fresh understanding, a pure understanding, a biblical understanding of the covenant you made with man and the sign that you gave as a result of it. May we bow ourselves before the Lord Jesus and believe on him for those who have not done so. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.